Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. In this episode, I talked to business coach and marketing consultant, Melody Thorstrup. With her vast experience in marketing, I wanted to talk about some principles all business owners can apply to our marketing game to strengthen it. And Melody delivers. This episode is great for whether you're first starting or if you've been in business for years. So here's our chat. Hey, Melody, thank you so much for being with us today. I want you to take a few minutes and introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them about your business and how you got there. Well, good morning, Rachel, and thank you for having me today. I am blessed to have been doing my current business, My Size Marketing, for the last going on nine years this April. Um, But I have been working in the marketing field in one way or the other for the last 26 plus years. And I say that because I started in retail, and for those who've never worked in retail, (laughs) that is a crash course in marketing. Um, You just may not realize it until you're out of it. But, you know, working in department stores, working in cosmetic industry, which is what I was doing most of the time, and I was just not even realizing what lessons I was learning about marketing. So from there, job working in retail moved me to the Huntsville area, and from there, I was able to I have opportunities to work uh, at a small magazine publishing company and do advertising sales. Again, something I'd never done before, but learned a lot because we sold to just about every type of business. And I learned how to help them tell their story, which is the key of marketing. And from there, I went to work at an ad agency in Decatur and had a wonderful experience there and learned about PR and learned about media buying and, you know, working with clients from that perspective and photographers and art directors and then I um, was blessed to work with AL.com from 2000 to 2005 in a time where the internet marketing was a new word. A lot of my clients that I would try to sell ads to on AL.com didn't even have websites back in that day in the Huntsville area. So that was a wonderful, challenging experience. I learned about email marketing and internet marketing and SEO and then finished that whole segment of my life working at Durham, which was an advertising agency here in Huntsville and had been in the area and successful for over almost 40 years. And because things happened, that did close in, um, I think it was 2010 and or 2009. And then I did some kind of freelance work trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But I had a client who said, can you still take care of me? And I'm like, well, that's what I was created to do is help take care of clients. I've been doing it since retail. <laughs> so I had a lot of wonderful mentors and friends and peers that said, you're already doing this. You just need to know how to do it on your own. And, and so I went to the what is now the Catalyst, but the Women's Business Center. And I had already been teaching for them in marketing, but had never thought about opening a business. And Joanne Randolph and all the wonderful people there said, well, of course you can. And here's what you do. And so I learned and got good advice and QuickBooks accounting and that sort of thing and started taking care of clients that way. And it was a blessing. I can't even tell you. And I've just enjoyed every minute. And the last two years, I've really been focusing on just the coaching and the teaching. And I'll do this till they tell me to quit (laughs) because I love it so much. (laughs) It's just been a constant, constant blessing. i you know, when people talk about, I love going to work, you don't hear that very often, but I really love my job. 
I have to say, full disclosure, Melody and I met at the Catalyst Center. And listeners, in case you don't know, Melody and I are both based in Huntsville, Alabama. So we're in in Alabama, if my accent does not already give that away. (laughs) But anyway, and so she and I met that way. And so recently, she coached me. So that led to me saying, hey, I want you on the podcast. You have a lot of knowledge to share. She really encouraged me to be myself, to bring myself to my to the business. And so that's why I asked her on here today, because she is focusing now more on the coaching side of what it takes to get your business where you want your business to be in terms of marketing. I to clarify, Melody, that how long have you been doing my size marketing? Did you say, so was I, it not? I, yeah, I started my size marketing April 15th, 2011. So this will be nine years. Yeah, coming year. up nine years. That is awesome. And so Melody has such a broad experience in marketing. I asked her today to come and talk to business owners, whether you're a brand new business owner or whether your business is established. What are some pillars? What are some things, some non-negotiables that we need to be doing to market our business, to tell our stories, just as Melody said? What would you say would be the first thing that all business owners should be doing to market their business? Well, so the key, and I coach at the Catalyst, and I coach a lot of people who've never even had a business before, much less how to market it. And the key thing I tell them once you, and we teach you this wonderful program that can, you know, help you create your vision and your uh, mission for the business and the problem you're solving. But once you know all that and you've got the business, you've got to know who your customer is because there's a lot of customers out there and they're not all yours and that's okay. So my goal with every person I coach and everybody I talk to starting or working in a business that needs marketing help is who is your primary target customer? And do you have that written down in a profile form that you can use as your touchstone for every decision you make in marketing, whether it's buying marketing materials, having a website done, doing social media, buying a radio campaign. If you don't know who that primary target customer is, you're probably going to waste some time and probably a lot of money. Well said, because I preach that as well with any of my clients, but I know that even myself, I can still fall into that category of wanting to talk to everybody, for example, everybody in their thirties, that is not clear enough. You have to dig even deeper. So you're right. Primary target customer, you have to know. Do you have a question or two that you use to help your clients hone in on what maybe is their primary customer? Well, yeah, I I actually use a profile sheet. If you're a small business, look at your 10 best customers. Start looking at the pattern. You know, are they women? Okay, that's usually a first thing you can see. Are they of a certain age? Um, I have a lot of people say, well, I sell to all ages. I'm like, that's fine. That's not saying you're not going to sell to these people, but who are you going to spend your efforts marketing toward? Who spends the most money? Who refers you the most? Who is, you know, brings in more people, who tells people about you, follows you on social media? Because you could sell something to everybody that walked in your door technically, but who is it that's going to be the best bang for your marketing buck? That is fantastic advice, Melody. And I love I love what she said. Who are your 10 best customers? And if you are a brand new business or you're still in the idea phase and do not have 10 best customers, well, then bring it down to who is your two best customers. Or if you're still in the idea phase, Who is it that I want to serve? Because you do have to get out there. And then I know that Melody can attest to this too. When you hone in on that, as you really get your business out there, 
can your best customers rise to the top? And then you can hone in on that again and go from there because your business does sometimes change. But who are your best customers and start analyzing them? That is fantastic advice. So primary target customer is definitely one thing that all businesses need to be thinking about. What's another non-negotiable for marketing? So I didn't create this phrase, but I feel like I should get some patent money because I use it so much. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but the, the phrase perception is reality is really a pillar of marketing because nowadays with social media, especially in the internet, you know, you can create whatever perception you want in the marketplace, at least on the internet to start with, or in the way your logo looks or in the way your website looks. It's all about perception. Everything you touch if you're the owner of the business, you're part of that brand. So is it colors? Is it cleanliness? Is it the way your logo looks? Is it your logo on every single thing you own? Is it everything, every piece of marketing material? I mean, I'm not saying you can't have something homemade sometimes, but is it clean? Is it nicely printed? Did you take time to make sure it all lined up right if you're doing it yourself? I always tell people when you can hire a professional, it's money well spent. A professional web designer, they don't charge that much anymore. I mean, you can get a nice, clean website, but by somebody who knows what they're doing, and that's time that you didn't spend too, that's money well spent. Also, professional photography. If you're going to have photos that show you or your business, I know phones are great now with cameras, but that's fine, but at least get somebody who knows what they're doing, knows how to light it, knows how to crop it, knows how to edit it, or take a course yourself. It'll be money well spent. So, Anything that touches your brand, if you want it to create the perception that you have in your mind for your business and that you want your customers to have, you've got to take some time to think through every time your brand is out there. I love the phrase perception is reality. You are right about that. It does. It starts even with the small things. And I know sometimes for new businesses, it's difficult to find the money for photography or for graphic design. And of course, and I would say do it for yourself right now until you have the funds to fund it. Or I know that sometimes you have good friends that are photographers and you can trade out services for each other for different things so that you can help. Same with design. You know, there's, there are people on Etsy that'll do logos for a very reasonable amount. And there's local graphic designers that'll work with you because they're small businesses too. So like you said, they might trade out with you on a service or just for the branding opportunity. Yeah. Heck yeah. Very good point. Do you have another pillar that small businesses need to think about whether they're new or whether they're an established business? So in the the real estate world, the phrase that they preach is location, 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 right? So (laughs) that can have the greatest house ever, but it's not a great location. It's going to be tough to sell. Well, if you're not consistent, so my word is consistency. If you're not consistent with everything you do, if it's social media, if it's getting, keeping your website updated, if it's making sure your right phone numbers and is on all your materials, if it's making sure your logo is the same color on and, and the same fonts and everything on everything you do, it that, again, p- creates part of that perception. But I had a client that we worked with where their logo looked a little different on everything, but they had it created professionally and then they just kind of didn't really care about it. They would just, oh, that blue is not quite the same, but we'll just slap it on that. Or we'll, that S is not a little different, but we, they just, they weren't careful with it. And they had the money. This was a big business. And Mm. it watered down their brand. It's almost like an unconscious thing, but people 
will subliminally start thinking, is that the same business? Are they going out of business? Are they, do they get bought? Is this like a knockoff? Being consistent sometimes, again, takes time and money, but usually it doesn't. Once you get it done right the first time, it's just about really being aware when you make a decision. Don't let a printer print something just because it's easy, you know, to get mm. it done fast. Take the time to make sure they do it right. And if you work with a good printer, they will. Their reputation's on the line, too, if they're a good printer. If you do it online, they don't care. So I love this. <laughs> and I love online printing. And I use them all the time. And they are good at what they do. But there's some tools out there in some places that you may go to for the save a dime or two, but then it's not, it doesn't come out looking, or if you do it on your home printer and your ink starts to run out, you know, it's mm -hmm. a little thing, but it's just about being consistent and your elevator speech, you know, you should have a little 30 second spiel that you say to just about anybody who asks you about your business. And that should be pretty consistent. You should use some of the same keywords and phrases they should also see on your website. They should also see on your business card. They should also see in your social media that really say, oh yeah, that's that business. And it's a, an immediate recognition of you and your business. Yes, that's a great point where you're talking about your elevator pitch. I tell all of my clients and myself, get in front of your mirror, practice that pitch to yourself, to your, to your spouse, to your children, anybody that'll listen so that when you run into somebody and say, so what do you do? Or what is your business about? You don't stumble all over it. Instead, you're consistent and you're confident and you can come right back with, this is what I do. And so that elevator pitch is key and it's definitely a part of your consistency. And that the elevator pitch takes no money whatsoever, other than just some time sitting down and asking yourself, what problem is it that I solve for people and how do I do it? And it really can be that simple, but practice it, practice it, practice it so that it is consistent and you can say it confidently. So that's a great point about consistency as well. Is there something else, Melody, that small business owners definitely need to be thinking about when it comes to marketing? Because so far we have definitely considering your primary target customer. Other people's perception is the reality of your business. So you definitely need to know how they're perceiving you. And is that the way you want to be perceived and to be consistent with your branding and with your elevator pitch? Is there something else? So, and I think this is something that's been around as long as there's been somebody selling something to somebody else is it's just <laughs> taking care of your people, taking care of your customers, obviously taking care of your staff taking care of your vendors and your referral partners, you know, keeping those, building those relationships because you just never know. You never know when somebody's going to send you business or when somebody's going to be a new, become a new customer. You just never know. You could be church or at the ball field and you could talk to somebody and they, you may have known them for years and knew that they weren't even part of your demographic or your customer profile. But one day you're talking to them about your new product or your new service and they're like, you know what? My neighbor or my brother-in-law, I've got to tell him, I forget, give me a business card. Always have business cards on you, right? You know, always be ready to mm. give them to your website and, and create value wherever you go. If you're on social media, if you're providing sponsorship at an event, if you've got something, you know, create value, create relationships and create value. And I guarantee you'll always have people wanting to, to do business with you because you're, you're, it's about them. It's not about you. Oh, <laughs> another excellent point. And I love what you, when you were talking about relationships, that it actually takes me back to you and me as far as our relationship as you're, you being my coach and me being your client, because I knew you for 
two years. I actually knew you longer than that from when your son was at the school that I taught at. So I knew you there kind of from a distance. But then for two years, we just had a relationship where I respected. I loved how you treated other people. Anytime I reached out and asked a question, you were very quick and kind to respond. And so that was a great example of pure relationship. Melody wasn't necessarily chasing me down. In fact, I actually went to her and said, (laughs) hey, I would, you know, I would like for you to be my coach. And so, but that's a great example. And I know that many of you as listeners can come up with examples too of situations where you loved how that person treated you or how you saw them treat other people and you willingly handed over money <laughs> to them. And so that's honestly, that's what we want other people to think about our businesses is that they see how the relationships that we build with our clients and just the people around us in general. So very good point and definitely come to the table with creating value. Is there anything else, Melody, that definitely small business owners need to be considering? Well, this is not just necessarily about marketing, but never be afraid to ask for help. There are so many amazing resources just in the Tennessee Valley area in Alabama, um, but also online that are out there, you know, YouTube videos and blogs and coaching and Facebook groups. But here in in our area, you know, we have um, the Catalyst, which is a wonderful SBA, Small Business Administration, that's what SBA is, funded uh, nonprofit. But we have so many other, uh, and the Chambers in all the areas, you know, the Chamber is a great place to start if you're not sure where Mm -hmm. to, you know, get help. That's my point. Never be afraid to ask for help. We've all had those same issues and we have them all, you know, all throughout having a business. It's tough. The stats of small businesses staying open are not always that great, but mm-hmm. it's the ones who are willing to ask for help, willing to take some time, do the research, do the hard work, get constructive criticism from people they trust, and then figure out how to make it work. But I, I've been so blessed with so many mentors and, and great people to, that I've followed along the way that I still look to. And I still, mm-hmm. and hopefully now I've been blessed to be able to be a mentor to others. So never be afraid to ask because there are no stupid questions when it's time to run a business. It's a tough thing to do, but it's worth it if you really are passionate about what you have to offer. Yes, it is definitely worth it if you're passionate about it. But you're right. You especially when you're starting out, you are the jack of all trades and you're master of none. And so (laughs) you are left asking for help a lot. But I love what you said because a lot of small business owners do not mind if you ask. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, I just learned about this last year. This is so easy. Let me show you how to do this. And, you know, and if so what, if you ask somebody and they're ugly to you about it, you know what? You just, you just move on, ask somebody else. (laughs) Exactly. Melody, really quickly, what is one thing if I want you to put in, let's think about new businesses. So maybe they're, they may even be as new as that they're still in the idea phase, or maybe they have a client or two, or they've sold some goods and they feel good enough that they can call it a business. They don't necessarily say that they would be established business. What would be one thing that you would really want them to focus on as far as marketing or as far as building relationships as a part of marketing? So a fellow coach I have that I work with at the Catalyst, and he also has a radio show and he's an entrepreneur, Tom Rigsby. He's amazing, but he has this funny phrase or this funny thought that he talks about the ugly baby syndrome. And every (laughs) new business that everybody who's starting a business has a great idea for a business 
they think their baby is the prettiest one ever, right? And can do no wrong. And we all, we, and we should feel that way about our businesses to a point. But he's right. You need to make sure you do get wise counsel, whether it's um, not just your friends and family, because sometimes mm. they'll tell you what you want to hear. And sometimes they'll be defeating, you know, just depends on your support system. But, you know, do focus groups, find your friends, find your neighbors, find people that that you think would buy your product and survey them, you know, let them try it for free. Let them try your service for free and get their feedback. You know, we're in the days of Amazon and Google reviews. And every time somebody says, yes, I would use this, that's marketing material for future. Mm -hmm. But if somebody says, Hey, I don't like this about that product. Don't take it as they don't like you or everything's bad. It's like, okay, can I change that? Are they just not my customer? Don't ever see it as a negative thing, but be open to that constructive criticism so that you can hopefully make your business better and more successful. But remember that your baby is not beautiful to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. I'm just... Yes, and I love that. I'm just going to be honest that I'm taking that as well from here because I think that's a great analogy. It's a great analogy. Credit Tom, because I love love that. I have in one of my presentations, I actually found this picture of this baby somebody had drawn like muscles and a beard on just for fun on Facebook. And and it's cute as in what it was for, but as far as it's not a pretty baby picture. (laughs) But I I like it. But I love it. That's a great analogy because when we start a business, every one of our ideas are the best. When you start a business, you you cannot get out there fast enough. And it doesn't take long for you to realize that, oh, maybe that wasn't (laughs) such a great idea. And this is just how I work. I will get an idea in my head and I'll play around with it for two or three days. Once again, I think it's the most beautiful baby ever. And then I start trying to tell my husband about it. And I've even done this with you in our coaching, start to tell somebody about it who I'm fairly close to. And I realize as I'm rambling and I can't find what it is I'm trying to say, that's part of my process of figuring out, is this a decent idea or not? Now, that's just the starting point. I really love what you said about gather people that you trust who aren't just going to tell you what you want to hear, but also who are not defeatist. They're not just going to tell you it's a stupid idea, but gather those people and go through the idea process with them or actually bring the product, go through the presentation, whatever it is that is that next big project for you and see how that goes. Great advice right there. Is there something for, go ahead, Melody. So so don't think this is not just small businesses making these ugly baby mistakes. Think about, so you may be too young to remember, but Coca-Cola back in the 80s came out with New Coke, which is now Mm -hmm. a big joke. Everybody laughs about it. And I tried to give it away. I was like doing some (laughs) part-time work and I was at a grocery store. I tried to give six packs of new Coke away and people wouldn't take it. Now (laughs) is a very established brand. They've done pretty much everything else. Right. And that was a big old goose egg. So years later I was in Huntsville at a PR meeting and they had gotten the guy from Coca-Cola marketing to come and talk to our group. And somebody at the, the Q and a at the end said, so just curious was new Coke planned so that it was so bad that then you brought back Coke Classic, it would be successful. <laughs> and he just kind of laughed and went, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that was planned. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody, everybody, if you, you get that going and your brand is great, 
you start thinking anything you're going to bring is out to the marketplace is great. And, mm. and obviously they didn't do their research as well as they normally do. So, <laughs> or they only listen to people who said, Hey, I want a free Coke. But, so yeah, everybody should, no matter what stage you are in your business, always put it out there to your target customers and see what they think and get their feedback and get their input. And they'll be invested <laughs> in your success as well. So it's a win-win. Well said, well said. Let me ask you this too, and you, you kind of talked about it just a second ago when with your example from Coca-Cola. Is there anything that an established business, if they're either doing it already or maybe they haven't done it, what is it that you would say is key for them? Is it exactly what we talked about as far as with new businesses to surround yourself with wise counsel or do you have another another piece of advice for the established businesses? Well, and I think of this, and I've worked with established businesses but I think of it as, I always think of it as from a consumer standpoint too, because I want to be treated like I'm valuable no matter how much I spend. And I want to be connected and I want to know that they care, they care about me or they care about our relationship. And so the companies that have done really well with that, and I think Amazon is one of them for the, for the most part. Now the small business world, that's a mixed bag because sometimes they do great helping small businesses and you can sell on Amazon and sometimes they kind of come in and, and usurp that situation. So it's yes, kind of like yeah. a Walmart and coming in small cities. Exactly. So, so that's a double-edged sword. But bottom line is if they take care of you, if, a, if they were talking about Southwest Airlines and how when they started, they were just for Texas. And they just wanted to take care of their people out of Texas. And the next thing they know, they did such a great job because they knew who their customer was and they knew what they were doing. They did such a great job. Everybody wanted to fly Southwest. So uh, we don't even have it out here and I want to fly Southwest, you know, <laughs> because they made it a great experience and it wasn't even about the price. Something mm -hmm. we teach in the Catalyst in our Engage class is your unique value proposition. What makes you special? So my new term for that is your secret sauce. If you don't know what your secret sauce is and make sure it's not price and location, because that's always a factor, but that could be easily beaten by a competitor. You've got to have something else. And usually it's your customer service or it's how you, the experience you give your customer. That's something any business at any level, no matter how big, how long they've been doing it. If your experience is good and your customer service is good and you create that secret sauce that. I could go next door to the same kind of business and I can't get that, then I'm going to still do business with you, even if your prices go up or your location changes. So I just say, know your secret sauce and make sure you're taking care of your customers. Excellent points to keep taking care of people and to definitely know what it is that you bring. Because I like what you said about the location and prices. We see it all the time. Someone brags that they have the lowest price and guess what? Three days later, someone has a price lower than them. And so that's not your secret sauce. Right. <laughs> I love what um, Christy Wright says. You do not want to be in a race to the bottom. So no. you do not want to be in a race with the cheapest price. That's not yeah. what you want to be your secret sauce. So thank you for bringing that to our attention and reminding us. Melly, we're going to come to a close now. And so I want you to tell the audience where it is that they can find more about you, about My Size Marketing, and what you have going on for this next year. Okay, thanks. So my website is mysizemarketing.com. And I work very hard with my wonderful friend who's a web designer to keep it current. So check it out. Um, I do keep my Instagram and Facebook feed on there. So follow me on there and you can keep up. And also I teach a lot of workshops. That's my goal for 2020 is to not only take care of my map groups, which I'll talk about in a second, but I, my goal is to teach a marketing workshop for some topic every month. 
And this month I just taught actually two, one at the Huntsville Hub, which is an entrepreneur co-working space. And then the other one was in Madison at the offices of Spinrin, also a wonderful entrepreneur co-working space. And that's all in the Madison County area in Alabama. But you can find that on Eventbrite. So if you follow My Size Marketing on Eventbrite, which is the tool that people like to buy tickets on, you can find all my workshops there. So, and that's my goal is to have at least one a month. And then the thing that I, I want to share that you've been a part of is my um, MAP coaching program. So MAP stands for Marketing Accountability Partners. It is a passion project I started two years ago in November, 2017, to basically get eight to 10 small businesses in a room a couple of times a month to help them with their marketing and to create an accountability group for all of them so that they could share ideas, they could be each other's focus group, they could give input, they could share what's working, what's not working. And then each member of each group meets with me as well, one-on-one in coaching sessions. And then for people who can't do the group sessions like you, you were able to do the one-on-ones and I've done you know, certainly several of those as well. But my goal is to help people not only create marketing goals and to reach them, but to stay accountable with themselves and to connect with other small businesses so they don't feel alone. I hear you. The accountability is huge. Because once again, all of those ideas get floating around in our brain. And at some point, we have to sit down and do it. We actually have to do it or we have to decide it's a poor idea, take it off my plate and move on to the next thing. So the accountability is huge. So Melody, I want to thank you so much for coming and talking with us today and sharing your wealth of knowledge. You have worked with so many different businesses, large, small, just starting, solo, a company-wide. So you have a lot to impart. And so I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. This episode was chock full of great advice, timeless advice. In fact, it's not often that we get to say that about marketing. <laughs> but this advice that Melody shared will apply in 2020 and 10 years from now. Because Melody focused on principles, those practices that lay a foundation for any marketing strategy or for using a specific tool or social platform. So here are some key takeaways from this episode. One, take care of customers and clients. For small business owners, this is vital. When we make the people who buy from us feel important feel seen, feel valued, they become our biggest fans. They become our promoters, our public relations rep. That's word of mouth marketing. And if you've listened to any of these episodes, you know my feelings on word of mouth marketing. It's the very best. We all get wrapped up in wanting more followers and more likes on Facebook or Instagram. And there's nothing wrong with that desire in and of itself. But we cannot forsake those, overlook those who've already raised their hands to say, I like your product. I love your service. In fact, they've opened their wallets to prove it. So here are a few ways that we can take care of our current customers and clients well. Handwritten thank you notes for a purchase or a follow-up email to check on a product or service that they've purchased, or a birthday card or a birthday offer, a small package or envelope mailed to them introducing your product or purchase, a direct message on Instagram or Facebook telling them thank you, 
or commenting on their posts on their social media accounts, or maybe even sharing a link with them, showing that you remember something specific about their likes or dislikes. For example, if you have a customer named Sandy, and every time she orders from you, she orders blue. She wants the blue earrings, the blue necklaces, and suddenly one day you come across an article that's talking about the color blue and and what that means about a person if they love the color blue. That article instantly makes you think of Sandy. So you'd write a quick email, send that link, and say something like, I know how you love blue. I saw this article. I read it. It definitely makes me think of you. Have a wonderful day. That's a simple way to show a customer that you remember her likes and that she's on your mind even when you're not working on a piece of jewelry for her. And honestly, this happens to us business owners all the time. We just don't always take those few moments to send that link or make that comment on Facebook. So one thing that we can definitely do is to take care of those or show them extra attention to those who have already purchased from us. They have already raised their hands and opened their wallet saying they like what we're doing in our business. And of course, I do want to remind you that all of these things must be done in earnest. So we don't want to send an email that says, hey, how is that service going for you? I hope that you're loving it. And by the way, here's another upsell. Now, there's nothing wrong with sending those emails if it's a promotional email. But if you're truly doing it as a personal touch to show love and concern for a customer who's very loyal to you, well, then just stick to that. Stick to the email of saying, hey, how is it going? How is this service or this product working out for you? I believe it was Tarzan Kay who said this. She's a copywriter for Amy Porterfield. And she put it like this. When your audience or email list or customer list is small, that's when you can lavish them with personalized touches. I love how she put it. And it's a great thing for us business owners to remember. A second key point for me from this episode is to be aware of the ugly baby syndrome. (laughs) Now, I love her example of New Coke and how every company, big or small, even as big as Coca-Cola, suffers from this ugly baby syndrome at times. All that means is, is that we get these ideas in our head and and in our mind, it's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful baby. But we have to recognize that to our customers, it may not be that beautiful. So there are a few things that we can do to help us suffer less from that syndrome. Talk your idea out loud to people who are close to you. Sometimes they don't even have to say a thing before you realize that it's a bad idea or it just needs lots of work. That definitely happens with me. I will start to tell my husband some fantastic project that I'm about to start and I'm stumbling all over myself. I can't explain what it is I'm going to do. And before he can even ask me a question or say a word about it, I stop myself and realize I've got some more work to do. Though, Other times, you may need that person to go to the second level. If you were able to fully explain yourself, then have them to start asking you questions about that idea. Have them to start trying to poke holes in it. So by doing that, you as a business owner can start to see ways that you can even improve upon that good idea. Also, Melody suggested to host focus groups. 
gather people who will be truthful yet kind. No room for defeatist in there. There is nothing wrong with them being truthful about the product or service. They just don't have to be ugly about it. And let these people try out your product or offer your service for free and then ask for suggestions for how it can be improved. Of course, I feel like I have to mention a word of caution about free. People don't always take free things or free services as seriously as if they put money behind something. So choose wisely who you make this offer to, the number of times that you'll offer it for free, or for how long that free service will last. Just giving you a heads up on that. A third takeaway, know your target customer. Melody nailed it. There are so many customers out there, but they aren't all yours. I loved how she said that. We have to be very clear to ourselves as business owners, who is our ideal customer? And once we know that, so many other decisions fall into place. Like we know what social platforms to hang out on because our ideal customer is there. We also know what to write on those social platforms or in emails because we know our ideal customer. We also may know how can we care for them well? Is a birthday offer and a birthday card in the mail something they would really appreciate? Or would they really rather have just a quick email from you following up on a product or a service that they've purchased? Now, this topic of ideal customer is very near and dear to my heart because it's something that I've struggled with for so long. We're oftentimes fearful to truly target an ideal customer because we're afraid of leaving out someone who may buy from us. But I challenge you with this. By talking to everyone, you're not talking to your ideal customer. Here's an example that happens at my house, okay? See if you can relate. It's like when I just yell from the kitchen, hey, clean up. And my five-year-old walks by and picks up one plastic truck as he's passing the kitchen. And then he goes back to playing as soon as his feet hit the living room. There's a situation where I tried to talk to the whole house, but I really ended up talking to no one. Nothing got done. So that's a simple analogy, but that's what happens in this very saturated marketing world that we live in now. Don't be afraid to know and find out if you don't already know, but don't be afraid to find out and speak directly to the ideal customer. I offer two things right now that I feel like are very helpful with this. Episode one of this podcast is dedicated to that, knowing your ideal customer better. So you may want to go back and listen to episode one. And also, I offer a freebie on my website. It's called Know Your Ideal Customer Better. And what it helps you do is to think about their season of life. And by knowing your ideal customer's phase of life, you can visualize their day-to-day activities. And by doing that, that makes them a real person to you, not just a blob, not just a lady in her 30s. We want to be very specific. Who is my ideal customer? Because when you can visualize their day-to-day activities and what their life looks like, then you know what to say to them on social media. You know when to email them 
You know what products will most likely speak to them. So there is definitely something to knowing who your ideal customer is and then owning it. Writing, speaking, communicating directly to that person. Okay, there's so much more we can talk about on that topic, but that's a good start. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it with Melody. I will definitely be linking to Melody in the show notes and to her business, My Size Marketing, so that you can look her up if you are looking for coaching services or accountability groups, and especially if you're in the North Alabama area. And if you found any value in this episode, please rate or review Inspire to Engage podcast. Until next episode, have a wonderful week, kiddo.